Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you're stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. Today, I'm extremely pleased to be back with Janice Landry, award-winning author, journalist, whose nonfiction work focuses on mental health and wellness. Welcome again to the show, Janice. Yay! Thank hey. you so much. I'm so pleased. Me too. In part one in this mini-series, we talked about your story And the work around trauma, your dad as a first responder, who probably got PTSD from rescuing that little baby and who didn't see the, uh, listen to the first show, go back and listen to it. It's well worth it, which you know from firsthand experience as a daughter. And in this episode, we are talking about your latest book, Silver Linings. Now, let me know what inspired you to write that book. So it actually stemmed from a trauma, and mm -hmm. what happened was um, my mom and I, my late mother, her name is Teresa, we had a standing lunch date every week, which we did for years and years after my dad died, and I can tell you I'd give anything to be able to go for lunch with my mom again, but I can't. So this one day in 2017 in January, uh, we went for lunch as we typically did, and I, I dropped her back at her apartment building, and I always waited for my mom to go up the stairs and inside safely before I drove away. And on this occasion, she was talking outside, uh, there's about five or six steps up to the door, with a neighbor who I knew very well. His name's Peter and friend of my mom's. And I thought, okay, great. There's no snow, ice. It's a sunny day. She's talking to Peter. It's all good. So I decided on that one time to drive away while she was talking to Peter. About two or three minutes uh, later, I'm, I'm home and I literally live almost across the street. My cell phone rings and this is what I hear. Hello, I am a paramedic and I am with your mother. And my stomach literally went into a ball doctor and I couldn't understand it because I had just left her and I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I couldn't process why is mom with a paramedic? I just left her after lunch and she was fine with Peter. What happened was after I drove away and Peter walked to his car to, to leave, my mom started up the steps and somehow lost her footing and fell backwards down the steps and hit her head on the concrete sidewalk. Oh my. She was 83 at the time. Uh -oh. So I got my car and drove over as fast as I could. And the paramedics were, they assured me on the phone and they were very, very clear in telling me that she did, she was fine. She was going to be okay. And she did not to appear to have any concussion symptoms, which was my biggest concern. So when I drove into the little driveway, they were still parked outside. And I came up to thank them, first of all, and get some more information from them. And when I went inside, you know, I was 
I was so worried about mom and the wound on her head at that point was still oozing and I was very afraid for her. But it turned out, um, you know, I took her to the doctor multiple times and checked on her all the time and she was fine. She was very, very lucky for an older lady Mm -hmm. falling and, and hitting her head. In the days that followed, probably three to four days after that fall, um, I love to take bubble baths, and it's one of the ways that I um, de-stress. And I urge your listeners to find some way for them, a healthy avenue to de-stress. There are many things I do, but I like to take hot baths. So I'm in the bathtub, and it's where I do a lot of thinking for my writing. And I thought, you know what? My mom's 83. She just had this horrible fall. My dad's been gone for many years. She, you know, she's lived alone. This this older lady is way, way more resilient uh, than I've ever given her um, credit right, credit for. And so I'm. So it was a mixture of wanting to underline mom's resiliency, especially for older people, but all people, and the gratitude I had for seeing that at that stage of my life and also that she was still with me so that out of this trauma uh there were there was light there there was learning about her resiliency the the first responders who helped us so i went over to mom's house and i i said mom would you take part in this um gratitude project with me and you know this was only about four days after and she was still pretty shaky and sore and she 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 wasn't really buying into it and i said look just answer this one question and on a little piece of line note paper i wrote in cursive handwriting what are you grateful for and she wrote uh, succinctly this is quoting my mom now I am grateful for being here today after what happened to me this week. So my mom gave gratitude for life itself. And that seems like a simple answer, but it's not. Because the people in my book have faced different losses and challenges. And sometimes, you know, just being here is a major gift, especially if you've gone through any kind of a loss or illness or this sort of thing. So that's where the book started. And then I, as a journalist, we're taught to kind of focus. And focus for us means purpose or objective. So I wanted to focus down for the book and I asked all the people that I interviewed, what are you the most grateful for? Mm. And doctor, that's, it sounds like an easy question. Until you actually have to look at your complete life, all the people in it, all the circumstances in it, and answer what you're the most grateful for. Mm -hmm. And all the people in the book did that. There's 17 of them. And I answer it, too, at the very end, because I thought if I'm putting them through it, I should at least do it myself out of fairness. And, uh, you know, while they readily agreed to answer, what are you the most grateful for? Most of them said it was very difficult to answer and it took them months and months to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. But they all did. And uh, I love I love the answers. They're very wide ranging. And uh, I just have to thank those people to to put yourself out there, first of all, to be interviewed and then share with the public very willingly uh, some very personal reflections on gratitude. I mean, it's just to me, it's just beautiful and uplifting. Mm, that is such a wonderful, wonderful topic. And let me guess, nobody said I'm grateful for having $100,000 in the bank. Nothing. <laughs> Not one person, just like you said in talking with the people who are gravely ill or, or dying or in mm. palliative care, nobody answered anything material in their life whatsoever. It was all, uh, it could be love-based, it could be faith-based. It was mostly the people in their life, some circumstances that led to other things. But it mm. was always about love 
love and hope and faith and all the most beautiful things that are in life. But the thing is, they, they saw these silver linings, which is the name of the book and a term we've kicked around for years. It's not a new term. But what's interesting is that their silver linings and what they're the most grateful for has stemmed out of some of the most difficult experiences that they've had in their lives, which to me was surprising. And that's why that sort of theme is underlying in the book about resiliency and growth through adversity is because all of these people have learned to grow through these difficult challenges. And that doesn't mean it was easy because it was not easy. No. But they put the time in and they put the work in and the growth eventually came. And so I offer that light and hope to the people who read the book. No, that is wonderful. I really love that topic, of course, because my motto is the light at the end of the tunnel, which you could call a silver lining. But I love the image of the European tunnels that are a mile long and it's all dark when you go in and you can't see the sun until the last sudden turn. There's the synchronicity comes in and, and, and something happens that turns your life around, you meet the right person, you have a, a breakdown, you have a trauma, you have a challenge, and that really leads you to go towards the light. It's interesting that you also see the tunnel as an, an imagery. Mm -hmm. It's a big symbol for me that I discuss in some of my books because uh, when my dad died in 2006, his name is Baz, Baz Landry, uh, it was very dark for me in that tunnel. And I could not have written, I admit this publicly, very willingly, because it's not, it's not, I'm not talking about gratitude that's running through fields of daisies or when life is a bowl of cherries. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is I could not have written silver linings back after my dad died because it was too dark for me that for, for me then personally so I would see myself in this dark tunnel it was like pitch black in there for a period of time over time there were little pinpricks of light that started to come in more and more and more and now I'm to the point where I can imagine both of my late parents in this beautiful tunnel of brilliant white light and I can put them in the tunnel and I can put myself in this tunnel but that's after a lot a lot of years of work yeah and and it's not just the time it's also the work you put in during that time and it, it is difficult to write about that in the moment and at the time shared with others And when I was in Abbey Lane after my suicide attempt and for four weeks they kept me, it's quite a long time, and then I was six weeks in a day hospital, I wrote about 100,000 pages. I still have them. Did you just say 100,000 pages? Maybe that was words. It was about that much. Okay. but That yeah, much paper. Yes, that's a lot. So, I mean, I, I think that's a really important message, though, because... You have this story to share with other people and you willingly do it to help others because someone, as we sit here today, so in, in my case, my dad was a first responder. As we sit here in your studio, there are first responders going out there to help people. Right. And as we sit here in the studio, someone is in Abbey Lane and other hospitals like it or their family members, mm -hmm. their loved one is. For and, those who don't know it, Abbey Lane is a local mental hospital. Right. And so 
so for the listeners to hear this and say, okay, if Christine was there and now she's here hosting this podcast, helping other people, Janice's dad went on to make this big rescue, so on and so forth, that you're, you know, it's offering hope to people because situations right. are fluid. They change right. over time. I love that. And we need to talk about more about that the next time because people write themselves off when they get a label of mental illness. And it's such a shame because there is a life after, even with a label. I call it a label. It's not a diagnosis. It's fluid. People change. And the label can be removed from your forehead that the brain is not working right. And that is such a wonderful idea. And this brings us to the end of the first half of today's broadcast here on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio. Please tune in after the commercial break for more with Janice Landry. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking again with Janice Landry. Hey, welcome back, Janice. Thank you, doctor. And in the first half, we talked a little bit about your new book, Silver Linings, uh, where you talk about people that... Uh, we are grateful for some stories that wasn't $100,000 in the bank and who recovered from severe trauma, grief uh, and, and other uh, tragedy to become better people and grow as people. And we are able to feel grateful for that. I have to tell you, to sit, what was a really um, interesting, and interesting is not the word, but mm -hmm. you, you talked about serendipity. Mm -hmm. So here, here, here it is, doctor. I decided to set out to write this book. Now, remember, I decided it because my mom fell and hit her head on the mm -hmm. concrete sidewalk. But keep in mind, when I set out to write Silver Linings about resiliency and gratitude, my mother was alive. She died during the production of this book. I, I, there's no way I could have known that wow. when I set out to, to do this, that during the production of it, she would die. And then 10 weeks later, my friend Audrey would die. Mm. So he, so it's like this. Okay, the universe says to Janice, you want to write a book about resiliency and gratitude, do you? Well, during the production of this book, two people you really love are going to go and die on you. Now what are you going to do about it? And a number of people have asked me, you know, how did you physically do the work, the actual put your bum in a seat and get the mm -hmm. thing written and then get the thing edited? And I think it's a, a point well taken because I really want your listeners to know there were days I could not work on that project. I mean, I was in sideways grief. I was the executor of my mom's estate because I'm an only child. So it was it. I was it. A lot of work and, and, and stress on top of grief and loss. Mm. And then I had this piece that was out there hanging. Now, I did not have a deadline. My publisher is fantastic and they're really supportive of me, Pottersfield Press. I could have delayed it, but I really wanted to have it done to honor mom and Audrey and all the people in it. So... How did you do that? Well, people ask me that and I'll tell you what it is. Going over and over the story. So, they, they died and I was in deep grief. Mm. When I finished writing it and then I'd go back in the editing and the editing of the piece is massive because it's, you know, you're, talking, you're right. You're talking about like many, many thousands and thousands of words and hundreds of pages. So you're, you're editing for many months. 
I had the opportunity to read these 17 stories over and over again and mm. see the gift of the gratitude of these beautiful people. So it actually helped me in my own healing to work on the book. So while you might think it was a big deal, like, oh my God, all this work to do, it ended up being a gift in silver lining in and of itself because how was I going to know I'd be dealing with the grief of my own, the loss of my own mother and friend while I was working on it. You can't know that. No, no. But it, serendipity, yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And it's true. I tell people that the first person that this book helped is me because the, of the gift of the people in it discussing how they rose above and were able to find some light. Mm. So it was very motivating and healing um, to have them be part of my life during this very, very difficult time. So what would you say, who would the most benefit from getting your book and reading it? I just think it's, I really did it um, in a way tactically for anyone. So it, it, people know me a lot as an advocate for first responders, and I certainly am a passionate one because mm. of my late father uh, and all of his peers whom I admire greatly. But I specifically did this piece for anyone to pick up because eventually, as you've said earlier, all of us uh, suffer some sort of loss or challenge or illness in our life time and if it's not you right now whoever's listening it's someone you know or eventually it will be and that's just the way life goes mm. so the book is written for a very wide broad-based uh, audience because I truly believe that like I told you the tunnel can be very very dark sometimes that we're in mm. but eventually all I'm asking the reader to do is to leave room for the possibility that there could potentially be light. Mm. It's not a guarantee. I can't give people a written guarantee that they're going to, you know, the light's going to be there. Um, that They're going to have to put some work in themselves. We have to do some research. Yeah. We have to do the work. It's a daily day in, day mm. out thing. It's it's not all someone comes down on high and gives you gratitude or resiliency. It doesn't no. work that way. It's earned. All I'm asking for people to do is leave room for the possibility that there could potentially be light sometime. I love that. And my now husband and myself, we are country music fans. And I'm just thinking of the song. I don't know who it wrote. I'm bad with that. If you're going through hell, just keep walking. But you know what? This is really unusual because in the book, um, I can't think of the person either. This is really strange that you said that. But there's a person in this book who talks about that actual song. Her name is Mindy Piva. And Mindy, I, I urge you to go to Mindy mm. Piva's chapter. And she finds, I told you in, a, in an earlier episode that I de-stress you using like hot bass, bubble bass, and that, mm -hmm. that's one way. She loves to listen to specific lyrics and songs, and she uh, finds that they they resonate with her. She talks about that song, and it, it, that's in her chapter. So you've actually quoted a song that's in Silver Linings without even knowing Isn't it. Isn't that something? That's amazing. And I remember when I was in the Abbey Lane, they didn't do much with me. I waited for medications, and I was just kept. And my favorite thing to do, and I was lucky, serendipity again, I had an album, four discs for John Denver. So I listened to John Denver. And it was great because I could understand him because my English wasn't that good then. And uh, I loved it. I just loved it. 
So it is some music- days are diamonds, some days are stone. Hey, <laughs> they ever. But is music a big one for you, doctor? You love. I music. love music. Yeah, I, I, I love music. I, for me, the de-stress one number one is Tai Chi. I love doing Tai Chi. I love now helping others learning Tai Chi. So that is that is a lot of. That's nice, and it, uh, I'm a volunteer doing that in the Taoist Tai Chi Society, and it's it's a great great place to be and great people to do it with. And it's it's funny that's your thing, and, mm. and I, I you know for me too. Besides doing the whole bubble bath thing, which might mm. make people giggle or whatever, but I grew up when I was a kid in Purcell's Cove, which is just outside of Halifax and right on the ocean. And our house was surrounded by water on three <sighs> sides. So I really spent my childhood. I was one of those kids that only c- would come in to eat. Um, you know, your your mother or father's calling you in for for dinner, mm. and uh, I spent all. Almost all of my childhood, either by the ocean, in it, nice. on it, underneath it, or in the woods. Yeah. So today, when I am looking, when it's a bad day, when things aren't so going so well or whatever, I feel very close to specifically my father, who loved ships and the ocean, too. Mm-hmm. You'll find me oceanside near or by a beach. Um, and I feel very close to my dad there. And also, I think of my childhood and how important that was to my the connection to my creativity, being outside and using my imagination as a child I, I think that's really important and I, I yeah. think that there's a lot of um, you know to be in nature is a huge thing in healing. mental health it is absolutely healing yeah get outside nature. absolutely and it's hard too. this go time go to the beach look over the ocean go to Peggy's Cove and it's not too bad don't go in the black zone stay, but stay off, off the black rocks and it's so funny because my dad as a first responder he was a I mean my dad was so into safety and mm-hmm. as a kid because I did grow up by the ocean we did I did learn about about the slippery wet, wet rocks and when I see those people out there and you know I used to take our, our daughter we still go out I I, it, I would almost be it was incessant don't go mm-hmm. on these rocks but we still see people out there today and they just don't want to learn the lesson it's beyond me but you don't have to get that close to get the picture no it, it is absolutely beyond me and now again uh, the book is silver linings where can they find it so my book, anybody anywhere can go to Amazon.ca and order it and they'll come to their doorstep or on my own website, which is just my name, JaniceLandry.ca. And most bookstores carry my books. So that's, you know, Chapters, Coles, Indigo, um, any of your smaller local bookstores usually have it too. So yeah. it's they're not really hard to find. And I do appreciate you asking. Absolutely. And I wish everybody that listens to it goes out and buys uh, a copy of it. And if you like it, uh, there's four more that are waiting to be explored that are absolutely worth uh, reading. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much for being my guest and uh, it was uh, very, very nice talking to you and you're a wonderful person and a wonderful author and journalist and I'm looking forward to writing my own book eventually about my experience, The Light at the End of the Tunnel or something like it. (laughs) I think you have a great story to tell and you do tell it here willingly so again, I'd like to underline on behalf of your listeners how important it is the work that you're doing and you'll never really know the ripple effect of the work Mm. that you're doing either doctor so i just uh, applause to you for that thank you i i really feel there's not many doctors that can go out and say to somebody that's suicidal i know how you feel and really do yes and 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 i do and when somebody's in a panic attack or suicidal i'm not afraid of them i'm not afraid to talk to them i know how they feel 
they're human. No, yeah. ma- no matter. We again, we don't want to. Like, I hate putting labels on someone. Nope. Uh, it's not. It's not helpful to anyone to do that. So if we just see each other as human beings first and do what we can, whatever gifts that we've been given, and you bring whatever you can to the yes. table to help one another. If we all did just a little bit of that, then we'd be a lot better off. And that is a wonderful thought to bring us to the end of today's show. Thank you so much, Dennis, for being on the show. My pleasure. And please don't hesitate to contact Janice at JaniceLandry.ca or contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments or suggestions. My email here is christine at communityradio.ca or you can contact me through my website docchristine.com. I'm always grateful for any feedback. I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producers, Cecil Wright and Cole Crew. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run non-profit radio station. And we even have an art gallery. Come visit us if you're local. We're at 11 Glendale Avenue, Lower Sackville. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOEFM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.